From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Deemer. Today on the show, we talk to the president of FTX.us, Brett Harrison. That and crypto prices today on the Decrypt Daily. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. And I'm recording this at 7.09 a.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time, super early in the morning. You're probably like, wow, how is this in my feed already? It's because I woke up super early to get this done so I can catch a flight. Let's take a look at those crypto prices. We have Bitcoin sitting at $44,948, down 3.5% in 24. I don't know what happened. Looked at the market today and I was just like, whoa, I look at all the markets. I'll figure that out later or at least try to figure it out. Ethereum's at $3,315, down 5.6%. Tether is number three. Binance Coin is 435.26, down 4.4%, and USDC is number five. Running off the top 10, we have Solana, Terra Luna, XRP, Cardano, and Avalanche. The whole market is red. Total market cap, we're at $2.07 trillion, a BTC dominance of 41.3, and an F dominance of 19.3. And we're going to get straight into our interview today, where we talk to, again, Brett Harrison, the president of FTX.us. I'll be back tomorrow with a normal show, but I have to pack and get to the airport. Enjoy. Brett Harrison, president of FTX.us. How are you doing, sir? Welcome to the show. Yeah, doing well. How are you? I'm excellent. Excellent. Really quick, before we get started, tell me a little about a little bit about FTX.us. Uh, you guys have been around. You guys are a trusted exchange, but I need to know the origin stories. Sure. So backing up, uh, FTX as you guys know, is a global cryptocurrency and cryptocurrency derivatives exchange. It's been around for about three years and uh, slowly crept its way up to being the second or third third largest exchange in the world by volume. Um, But it operated everywhere except for the US because of licenses required to be able to operate cryptocurrency services in the United States. So around, uh, I guess at the end of 2020, uh, FTX launched a separate company called FTX US Uh, with the goal of building out a U.S. regulated business for first trading spot cryptocurrencies. So um, at the beginning of 2021, we had something like 10,000 clients and a million dollars a day in volume. At the end of 2021, we had uh, 1.2 million clients and around uh, $300 million a day in spot volume. So we grew a ton in a very short period of time. Uh, We're sort of the Cinderella in the U.S. compared to a lot of the uh, larger incumbents that have been around for almost a decade. But uh, I guess what's really exciting for us is that in the end of uh, 2021, we acquired a company called LedgerX, which is a CFTC regulated derivatives exchange and clearinghouse. We since rebranded that to FTX US Derivatives. And we have an application with the CFTC right now to be able to offer margin on those derivatives products. So when we have that, we'll basically be able to offer like pretty considerable um, uh, product suite to U.S. customers that's somewhat similar to what over exchanges, overseas exchanges have been able to do outside the U.S. 
Excellent. Excellent. Hey, can you go a little bit deeper on the uh, Ledger X and the CFTC and what, what's the relationship and how they'll work with uh, the margin derivatives trading? Uh, we've had Sam on the show, I think, three times already. Um, we've actually mentioned the Ledger X uh, acquisition on the show, but we didn't go into depth. If you could just uh, go into a little deeper. Sure. So in the U.S., there are two main markets regulators. There's the SEC, the Securities Exchange Commission, and the CFTC, the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. Bitcoin futures and options exist already on the CME, on ICE, on a few other places like LedgerX. And those are regulated by the CFTC because Bitcoin and Ether are regulated as commodities and derivatives on them, futures and options, are regulated by the CFTC. So in order to be able to offer a derivative product to customers in the US, to not to you know, institutions over the counter, but to you know, individual uh, retail customers, that those, those trades have to take place on what's called a designated contract market or a DCM. And they have to clear at a place called a DCO, a derivatives clearing organization. And both of these licenses take quite a long time to obtain from scratch. Uh, the DCM probably takes around two years and the DCO around five years. And so through the acquisition of Ledger X, we were able to get these licenses in a much shorter time frame with the goal of being able to actually integrate that with our spot platform. Because a lot of the reason why so much of the volume and derivatives trades overseas and not in the US, for example, on the CME, is because the CME doesn't let you trade spot Bitcoin and Bitcoin futures in the same place, which is so important for being able to have a capital efficient portfolio. So that's very interesting. So just the acquisition of a company that has the uh, DCM, DCR licenses already will, all, it will incorporate that into your existing uh, corporation and then you'll be able to roll out these uh, new products. Yep. And I think that one extra nuance there is that currently um, LedgerX or FTX derivatives has the ability to go direct to customer, but not with margin, meaning that you have to fully collateralize your position. If you want to trade one Bitcoin future, you have to put up one Bitcoin which is not super interesting for people right now. The reason people trade derivatives is for capital efficiency. So we have a very large application in with the CFTC, which is now out for public comment for people to be able to use margin on FTX US derivatives. And so not have to put up the full value of the trade in order to trade it, to get some leverage. And what kind of leverage are you guys talking about here? Are we talking about 10X or are you talking all of the over to 100X leverage? No, no, no. Yeah, so I, on the CME right now, um, I think the initial margin is something like 38%. Um, and we would hope to be able to beat that. But no, we're, we're going to hope to offer you know, a responsible amount of uh, leverage given that our, um, our risk model is the first ever in the US that is 24-7 in real time. So right now the CME, the risk model evaluates you know, once per day in terms of initial margin levels and only five days a week and not on weekends or holidays. We are 24-7 every 30 seconds, which greatly decreases the possible risk in the system. And so we're hoping we're going to be able to offer lower initial margin requirements. So actually, this bridges straight into you know my, I guess, more of a one-on-one question about regulation and, I guess, customer um, comfort or security. The question is that there's still a lot of question about regulation of how sure. exchanges are going to operate, what coins can be listed, what are securities in, in, in I guess, the ethos of, of cryptocurrency when things aren't really as cut and dry as, say, a, a company, right, or stocks or, or, or so on and so forth. I, I guess my question is, what do you think the future <laughs> is of the crypto exchange? 
And how much confidence can a new customer that went through the whole KYC AML process, uh, registered for FTX.us, buys their first Bitcoin, is, is hodling it maybe on their exchanges or just counting on that exchange to be there for liquidity in the future if they ever want to take some profits or, or so on and so forth. How much confidence do they have that regulation won't just, I guess, wipe out this platform? Yeah, it's a really good question. We are certainly in a regulatory gray area right now. Not many people know this, but exchanges in the U.S. for crypto are regulated under FinCEN, the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, as money service businesses, which is sort of like MoneyGram. And thinking of a crypto exchange like MoneyGram is a little bit strange. Sort of like the, the money that comes in and out, fiat crypto, that sort of makes sense. But the millions of transactions happening on a real-time order book that's the part that usually has oversight from a federal markets regulator like the SEC or the CFTC. Think about like NASDAQ or the CME. Um, but there's no clear jurisdictional oversight over crypto or spot crypto. Remember there's crypto futures, there's securities, but the thing in the middle, this sort of spot commodity product or spot crypto product is a thing that doesn't yet have clear oversight. And so we are all operating in this gray area where the, one of the most important um, consequences of this um, lack of clarity is on what we can and cannot list. So FTX US compared to its competitors um, lists like maybe an order of magnitude fewer tokens. And that is because we're not sure where regulation is going to head up, end up in terms of you know, what tokens are allowed to be listed or not allowed to be listed. Will exchanges receive enforcement actions for listing certain tokens that are deemed to be securities later? So we have something like 25, 28 tokens on our exchange. Um, some of our competitors are listing hundreds. And on one hand, this disappoints a lot of our users. On the other hand, I think that we're trying to go a different path, which is to distinguish ourselves with our licenses and our approach to regulation. So I don't know where this is going to up, end up you know, in the next six months, one year, two years. I, if I had to guess, it would be some kind of joint jurisdiction between the CFTC and the SEC to create some uh, joint oversight regime. You know, that's that's interesting. That's interesting. So just to summarize what you just said, um, FTX.us is listing less tokens, even than, say, uh, co competitors, Coinbase, uh, Binance.us. And so uh, to kind of, excuse me, far fewer than those two, far fewer um, in order to kind of hedge against the risk that you oppose to your your customers. So saying if you have, I don't know, X, X Y, or Z token, whatever, um, that could be looked at as a security, not be able to be offered in the United States or to US uh, customers or regist registered uh, customers of your platform or these platforms. Uh, you don't want to be in that situation where you have to delist something and then tell everybody, hey, you have no more liquidity. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so the, the one time this happened in our history was with uh, XRP where we, we did list XRP a long time ago. <laughs> and then immediately that in, that in, uh, the case dropped and then we immediately delisted it. Um, but we really don't want to see ourselves in that position again. But moreover, you know, what's actually important when thinking about what to list? I, I think we sometimes get caught up in the whole, like what is a security and what's not. But the most important thing is what disclosures and information are, would be required to give investors confidence about the investment decisions they make. And I think if we just irresponsibly list lots of tokens where it's unclear if these tokens are just going to like go to zero tomorrow, we don't really know who the team is, we don't know what the roadmap is, then I think we're not doing a good service to our customers. We want to list very, very high quality project, projects with you know very clear roadmaps, with very clear um, 
uh, utility in terms of, for example, it's used as some sort of fee paying in a network it's used for applications. You know, these are the kinds of things we want to make sure we're providing to our customers, not like paw to call. So right. we, we want to make sure that we're doing the right thing. Question about like uh, the, um, I guess, operations of this. You said that uh, crypto exchanges are, the oversight for crypto exchanges are from FinCEN. Is that for all of exchanges? Is that for like, say, Robinhood or E-Trade or eToro and all these other, other, other kinds of uh, places to buy cryptocurrency that maybe not allows you to have your private keys or what have you? Uh, is it the same oversight? Is there different oversights for, like, say, um, Robinhood's crypto assets and then their, I guess, their traditional stocks? Yeah, that's a good question. I actually don't know a ton about Robinhood's crypto program. I would assume they need to have the same oversight as we do. They need the money trans transmission licenses. Um, they need to be regulated under FinCEN as an MSB. And then they route those orders not to exchanges, but to individual market makers who are market making in crypto. I think E-Trade or at least Interactive Brokers is different because they basically just route orders to another entity where that other entity is the one that's regulated by FinCEN. So gotcha. it sort of depends. The, the traditional brokerage side of the business, you know, for stocks and options and things like that, those are regulated as broker dealers, not as exchange. And those are under, you know, FINRA and the SEC. Um, so there's sort of a well-defined path there. What makes crypto interesting is one, that the assets aren't very clearly defined um, as to what sort of like asset class bucket they fall into. The second is that crypto exchanges are not just brokers, they're custodians for assets, they're the actual order book, they're the exchange. So it's sort of, it's a full stack product it doesn't really exist in the traditional finance world. So it's not just a broker. Um, and so this somewhat disrupts the model of how these things are regulated. And that actually is very interesting. I think that a lot of people now just probably had a light bulb go off uh, over their head, as, as I did, uh, when you see that these legislations coming down from uh, D.C. are talking about broker dealers and how they're trying to put, I guess, this, um, uh, I guess, round peg through a square hole. Wait, no, that actually will fit a square peg through a round hole. Um, and, and talking about broker dealers, because of, as you just said, and how that's set up in the traditional markets. And you just said that, hey, you know what, we are all that plus more plus not at the same time. <laughs> and so what would you say, you know, obviously, you, you know, the markets, you know, exchanges, you know, the, you know, the laws around this, what do you think the best solution is then for this structure to make sure that your company's um, you know, thrives through the future, that people's investments are secure and safe and people have confidence to use this up, up into the next decades? I think that there should be two things primarily. So one is there should be a market oversight set of rule set for crypto exchanges. Both the SEC and CFTC have them. The CFTC one that applies for futures would probably work just fine for spot. These include things like anti-market manipulation, um, making sure there's not layering and spoofing and wash trading on the exchange. There's general transaction monitoring. Um, these are the kinds of you know, oversight the CFTC has. I think that would be very useful and would give investors confidence. And separately, there needs to be a listing standard such that we know very clearly what can and cannot be listed on exchanges. And alongside that, a clear registration process for tokens. I think a lot of token projects out there would happily register with you know, the SEC or the CFTC or both or neither, um, if they knew that would get them onto exchanges in a licensed regulated way. The problem is there's not clear path right now. You know, doing like a, an S1 filing and an IPO for a Solana network token doesn't really make sense. There needs to be something else. It's like something more and something less at the same time. Um, so those are the two things I think would be really the best for the market. The market oversight regime, 
that everyone has to adhere to and gets exams on. And then a proper listing standard with the registration process. Last question. I want to say thank you very much for uh, you know going through all of this. I think that this is I w- any any one of these questions we can go deep diving and unpack it for probably an hour each. Uh, but I think this is a very good overview of all of this. Uh, the, the last question is just about um, the the customer and the customer. You know, there are new people coming into crypto every day um, with varying levels of. Uh, the ability to navigate these systems. Is there any kind of like, I guess, foundation or ground uh, or, or like basic basic principles that you would want to give to somebody hopping into FDX.us right now to set up an account, buy some crypto, hodl, and, and so on and so forth? Yeah, really good question. I think there's a lot of, you know, discussion on like the crypto Twitterverse about, you know, DeFi versus CeFi and not your keys, not your coins and these kinds of things. For the most part, people who want to invest want a broker to take care of their investment. They want someone to hold on to it for them. They want to make sure it's safeguarded. They want to make sure they're going to be able to safely convert that asset back and forth between different ones. They want someone to handle helping them understand their tax liabilities, all of the above, right? And this is the service that exchanges provide, and this is why so much volume happens on exchanges. There's always going to be those very technologically savvy you know, niche traders who are able to navigate the waters themselves. But I think that crypto exchanges have a bunch of superpowers and responsibilities to customers. So I think those include things like having a safe program for the custody of the digital assets. That includes things like making sure most of the assets on the exchange are in cold storage, thinking about rotating keys and rotating wallets and trying to make sure that there's no, you know, open vulnerabilities. Um, having good cybersecurity policies and training for their team members, having you know a very small attack vector for who can actually have access to the underlying exchange wallets and these sorts of things. Um, I also think that there have to be fair but good incentives for market makers to come and provide liquidity on the exchange. That includes making sure they're not like hidden fees and things like this, right? We could probably go on as a like long list of things that you know we we do to make sure that our customers are having the best experience possible. They're being protected. Those are a lot of things that we choose to do on our own because our incentives align. We want our customers to be happy. We want them to be prosperous. We want them to be safe. That works well for us too. But it's hard to imagine how this industry sustains itself long term without some very clear rules that everyone has to follow, not just you know scrupulous players like FTX. Brett, I want to say thanks for uh, coming on the show and uh, going through that. I think it's great. We should probably do this again and go on a deep, deep dive, allocate a good 40 minutes to to really hone in on some of these topics. But until then, uh, Brett Harrison, president of FTX.us. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Deemer. Don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts. Like, subscribe, share, leave us a comment. You can send me an email, Aaron at decrypt.co. That is Matthew, A-A-R-O-N. If anybody's been trying to email me with E-R-I-N, it's, it's, not, it's not coming to me. And go to Spotify and click those five stars and make sure that everybody knows this is the best damn daily crypto news show on the planet. And until tomorrow, happy hodling everyone. <laughs>